Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 5. And the word of the Lord reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of the Lord. The evangelist and publisher D.L. Moody once wrote, Trust your, in yourself, and you were doomed to disappointment. Trust in money, and you may have it taken from you, but trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Trust me. Two very simple words. How many times have we heard that expression in our lives? People around us. Trust me. Two little words, but a, but, but a world full of implications. Right? Because the reality is, is trusting people, right? It's a big deal. Trusting people is important because trusting actually has consequences. Do you trust your bank to keep your money safe? Do you trust your parents to do right by you? Do you trust your children to do what is right even when you're not looking? Do you trust your friends to keep that important secret? Do you trust that website with your credit card information? Do you trust the doctor's diagnosis? Do you trust the experts? Do you trust the government to protect you? Do you trust that your car is going to make it to Los Angeles and back? Do you trust that you're going to have a job tomorrow? It seems we have lots of areas in our life that require our trust, whether we want that or or not. Trust me. These are words that we hear out of the mouths of friends, but also enemies alike. It seems everybody wants us to trust them. Our friends want us to trust them. Our family wants us to trust them. Our children want us to trust them. Our neighbors, our employers... The businesses you go to want you to trust them. The salesman who's trying to sell you something wants you to to trust them. The teachers at your school, the administrators, law enforcement agencies want you to trust them. Even people that you don't know, even people you don't like want you to trust them. They want you to trust them on some level, though they all have very different motives of why they want you to trust them. Trust me. The sound of those words can either bring hope, because help is on the way, or they can be an ominous warning, because things just might get get worse. But in either case, trusting, trusting other people, trusting other things, always involves some sort of risk. Because trusting at its core asks something of us. It asks us to be vulnerable. Trusting asks us to be exposed. Trusting asks us to be weak, in a sense. It asks us to take a risk on some level. It asks us to put our our hearts at risk. Trusting other people asks us to put our money at risk, our families at risk, our stuff at risk, our reputation at risk, even sometimes our lives at risk. When, when, When you're in a position to trust other people, there's always risk. So trusting isn't then a simple issue. Trusting is actually a complicated, complex relationship dynamic. Because trust, to trust, there must be some sort of relationship. For example, you trust your bank with your money because you have a relationship with the institution. You know them, they know you. You're a member there. I trust my wife because she's my wife. She and I have had a very long-term relationship. You trust your dog because you have a relationship with your dog. You trust your computer because you've had personal you know, experiences, successful personal experiences with your computer you know, guarding your information. You have a relationship based on those positive experiences. Trust always requires some sort of a relationship with someone or something. 
But as you know, relationships, they can be complicated. Relationships can be messy. Because relationships either revolve around people who are flawed and broken. And believe me, if you don't realize that you're flawed and broken, then you need to go and read the Bible and find out that you're flawed and broken. But relationships either involve people who are flawed and broken because of sin, or relationships actually involve things like cars and computers and pets that are themselves imperfect and flawed because they are subject to a flawed and broken world. So relationships can be really complicated, which means trusting people and things can be complicated. Which means trusting people and trusting things can be a struggle. In fact, I think most of us struggle with trust on some level. And I don't care who you are, I believe that all of us have trust issues on some level. Somewhere we struggle to trust. Some women just don't trust men. Some men don't trust women. Some people don't trust technology. Some people don't trust people who don't trust technology. Some people don't trust doctors. Other people don't trust their neighbors. Some people don't trust their uncle that nobody ever wants to invite to Thanksgiving. Some of you might be that uncle that nobody trusts or wants to invite to Thanksgiving. Some of you don't trust dogs because you had a bad experience when you were younger. Some of you don't trust the police. Some of you don't trust your boss. Some of you don't trust the people that work with you or work for you. And some of you don't even trust politicians. Well, I don't think any of us trust politicians. So we all have trust issues. We all struggle to trust on some level. But why? Why is it so hard for us to trust? Well, the the struggle for trust actually is rooted in a lot of reasons. But I think one of the biggest ones is fear. We struggle to trust because of fear. We struggle to trust other people because we fear giving up control. Because brothers and sisters, that's what trust is. On some level, it's giving up some or all control. When you trust your bank with your money, you don't have full control over your money. And and now they might make you think that you do, right? They try to assure you that you do, but you don't. And before you say, yes, I do, then do me a favor. Tonight at midnight, go to your bank and try to drop more than $400, right? Because if you have more than $400 in the bank, you can't have access to all your money right then. If you don't have access, to, to, you don't have access actually to all of your money more often than you, than you actually do have access to it. So the bank is actually in control. But what about when we hire a babysitter? When you do that, you hand over control of your children and their lives and their safety of your kids to them. When you have surgery, you give all of your cognitive and conscious physical control of your body to those who are performing surgery. You are trusting the surgeon. Or when you ask God into your life, you're giving up control of your life by trusting God. Trusting is about giving up a little or a lot of control. And if there's anything that we fear, there's anything that we just don't like, is the idea of giving up control. Because we all want to be in control. We all do. We're all on some level control freaks. In fact, there's only two types of people. Control freaks and those who deny being control freaks. That's it, right? We're all control freaks. We all want to control the money. We all want to control the jobs. We all want to control our families. We all want to control the remote control on TV. We all want to control, you know, everything that affects our lives. We want to control the future. And trusting other people requires us to give up some of that control or maybe all of that control, which is why we struggle with it. But another reason why we struggle with trust is because we fear being hurt. Because trusting makes us vulnerable. Trusting people puts us in a place to where we have to actually risk parts of our lives, which means those that we trust actually have the ability to hurt us. And we all know what that's like, right? We all, we, we've all trusted somebody in our lives who have hurt us deeply. Many of you may have, have, have known what it's like to, to trust your spouse, only to have them, you know, um, leave you or abuse you or, or, or take advantage of you or be unfaithful. Many of you know what it's like to trust a friend and be deeply betrayed by that friend or trust one of your children and suddenly you find out they're sneaking out doing things that, they, that you wouldn't even imagine they would do. Then you, they didn't even, you didn't even know that they knew how to do. Some of you know what it's like to trust a business. 
and put your money into it and suddenly they take your money and disappear. Trust involves us allowing someone to have some control, which means the person that you trust, the thing that you trust has the power to intentionally hurt you. We've all been taken advantage of. We've all had someone hurt us. We've all hurt someone else that's trusted us. In fact, trusting the wrong person can actually cost you very big. Trusting the wrong person can cost you all your money. It can cost you your reputation. It can cost you... Trusting the wrong person can cost, can cost you your family. It can even cost you your life. And we all struggle to trust because we fear a loss of control. We fear being hurt. And we fear also being let down. Because most of the people that you do trust, they're not going to hurt you intentionally. Most of the people that you trust are not going to betray you on purpose. But the thing that you have to realize that we just need to come to terms with, that they are still flawed, broken human beings, which means at some point they're going to let you down. Because we let each other down. It's going to happen. If someone that you love and trust hasn't let you down somewhere, then you just haven't known them long enough because it's going to happen. You can trust someone to pick you up in the morning, right? But they forget, right? You can trust someone to be on time for an appointment, but then lose track of time. You can trust someone to do a job for you, but then end up overbooking themselves and they can't get to you for two more weeks. You trust your child with a car, they go into a skid and they're inexperienced, overcorrect and wreck the car. You trust your spouse with something confidential, right? And then in a conversation with someone else, they accidentally let it slip out. They didn't mean to, it just happened. Every, every one understands this. Even the people that, that you know and love the most has the potential to let you down. And those letdowns can have consequences and sometimes those consequences are big. That's why we, we fear them. So fear is a big reason why we struggle to trust. But really, what, what is trust? What does it mean to trust? Well, trust is actually three things. It's confidence, dependence, and vulnerability. Confidence, dependence, and vulnerability. And I'm going to take some time and go through all three of those. So if you don't see them appear just yet, we'll get to them. Right? So trust begins with confidence. When you trust someone, you are confident in that someone's willingness and ability to do what they have promised to do. That they can do what they say that they will do. And you are also confident that they are looking to your best interests. So confidence and trust go hand in hand. The degree that you're confident is the degree that you trust. For instance, I trust my wife. I'm, I'm confident that she will keep her promises to love me and to take care of me and to be faithful to me. That's something I have great confidence in, which means I have a high trust level for my wife. But on the other hand, I've been dealing with some people trying to get a garage door replaced, and they don't return the phone calls on time, they don't do what they say they're going to do, and it's just been like, they've been giving me the runaround, and so needless to say, my confidence level for them doing the job isn't very high right now. And so, so my trust level is very low. Trust and confidence are, are directly related to one another, but so is also dependence. Trust is also about dependence, because when you trust someone, you are depending on them. In essence, you're actually building a tiny part of your life on them. No matter how small it is, when you trust somebody, you're building part of your life on someone or something else. So when you trust your doctor, you're literally depending on him with your life. When you trust the company you work for, you're depending on them for your employment. When you trust your car to Jiffy Lube, you're trusting that that guy underneath there knows what he's doing. And that, that he's going to make sure that your car is in good shape. And that it's safe to drive. When you trust your bank, you're depending on them to make sure that your money's protected. Trust means dependence. It also means vulnerability, <clears throat> as we've mentioned, mentioned. To trust is to be vulnerable, which is to risk. If there is no risk, there is no trust. Let me say that again. If there's nothing to risk, then there's no need for trust. If me and you are broke, I'm not worried about you stealing my money. You understand? So, so trust is confidence 
It's dependence and vulnerability, regardless of who you trust and what you trust in. But what about God? What does it mean to trust God? I mean, if there's anything or anyone in the entire universe that you should or could trust in, it is, it is God. So what does it mean to trust in God? Well, trusting God is just like trusting people. And you might think, well, that's just really oversimplistic. But it's, it's the truth. You trust God the same way you trust other people, only you trust Him to the highest degree possible, which means whatever trust you might give to another person, you must trust God infinitely more. There are people in my life, lots of people in my life, that I have a huge amount of trust for. I trust my wife, I trust my dad, and many more people. And I say many more people because I don't want to name names of who I trust because if you didn't make that list and I accidentally forgot, you'd be like, oh, pastor, I see how it is. I get it. I didn't make that list of people you really trust. No, it's not like that. There's a lot of people. There are lots of people that I trust very, very deeply, right? The fact is I have deep trust for a lot of people, people that I would trust with my life, people that I trust with, with what's most important to me. But that trust that I have for those people pales in comparison to the trust I have for God. Because whatever trust you have in a person, your trust in God has to be infinitely more. Which means you must totally and completely trust God. Not just mostly. Not just partly. We must completely trust God. Notice the text, it says, trust in the Lord. With what? With all. All. Every bit of it. Not 99.9% of it. Not half of it. All. Every bit of it. Trust the Lord with all your heart is exactly what the scriptures tell us. Now, when the Bible says heart, what does that mean? I mean, if I'm going to trust God with all my heart, what is, what is, what is the Bible actually talking about? Well, the word heart is from the Hebrew word lave. Right? And this word has a wide range of meaning, but at its root, this word actually has, has, has really at the center is the idea of identity. Your heart is who you are in here. It's, it's, it's really the essence of who you are. It's, it's your mind, it's your consciousness, it's your will, it's your decision-making process. It's the very center of who you are. And so when the Bible says to trust the Lord with all your heart, it literally means to trust God with everything, everything, everything that you are, every part of you. In other words, trust God with all that you are, with all of your strength and all of your abilities, with every possible way you can trust God, you need to trust Him. And if it wasn't enough... And goes on to say, and then do not lean on your own understanding. Which means you need to trust God more than you trust you. Sometimes that's hard to do, right? I, I, I mean, I, I think we can all say amen to the fact that sometimes we want to trust our intuitions and our instincts. We struggle, right? But we need to trust God more than you trust yourself. We need to trust God more than you trust you. Right? And then he says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And the idea here is that you need to trust God, not with just who you are, but with all the ways of your life. It encompasses every part of your life. And this is where so many of us get stuck and get sideways, because what we want to do is, I want to trust God with my salvation. I want to trust God with my grandma's cancer. I want to trust God when you know, war breaks out. But, they, but people forget to trust God with the everyday things, like your job. People forget to trust God in their marriages. They forget to trust God with their finances. They forget to trust God with raising their children. They forget to trust God in just the normal everyday things. Pray for me because my back is hurting, right? But how about pray for me because I got this nasty cold? The Bible says, in all your ways, you need to acknowledge God and trust Him. So trusting God is about trusting Him completely in every possible way, in every facet of your life. Which means trusting God is to be completely confident in God. And notice there's a little repetition and it's on purpose. You need to be completely confident in God. 
Whatever confidence you may have for some other purpose, that confidence you have in God needs to be complete. We need to be completely confident that God will do all that he promises to do. And we need to be completely confident that he's capable of doing all that he promises to do. Which means we need to be, we need to be completely dependent upon God. We need to depend on him, which is really the root of salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. Our salvation is about us, is about us fully trusting and fully depending on God to save us. We reserve no trust in ourselves to save ourselves. We reserve no trust in other people or, or other religions or other traditions or other objects or other cultures to save our soul. We are to completely trust and depend on God and God alone for salvation, which means we need to be completely vulnerable in his hands. We need to place our lives in his hands and say, here it is, Lord. Here it is. I trust you with all of this. I trust you, no matter what happens, good or bad, I trust that you're going to work things out. My entire life belongs to you. My entire life is exposed to you. I am in your hands. Do with me and my life what you will, what you want. We must be completely vulnerable to God. Now, I know that for all of us, we're going to struggle with the idea of complete trust and complete confidence and complete dependence and vulnerability. Because, again, we fear. We fear losing control. We fear being hurt. We feel be, fear being let down. And we fear those things because we experience those things, even from people we deeply, deeply, deeply trust. And so there's something in us that struggles to let go. Because the thing that we need to understand is the problem isn't God, it's us. You see, God is not a fallen, broken man. Yes, Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, but he is not a fallen, broken man like everyone else. He is holy. He is holy, completely holy, which means he's altogether different. He is altogether perfect in every possible way. In God, there is no failing. In God, there is no fault. In God, there is no deception. In God, there is no forgetfulness. He's not going to forget about you. In God, there is perfection. He's perfect and holy in every way, which means we have good, good reason to trust him. You see, you can trust in God because God is sovereign. Which means he's fully and totally and completely in control from the tiniest Subatomic particle to the biggest galaxy, God is in complete control. Scriptures say, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory of the victory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. God reigns supreme over all of creation. There's not a speck of dust. There's not a subatomic particle that's outside of his sovereign control. You see, we don't trust God because we have a personal problem. We don't trust God because we have a theological problem. Let me say that again. We don't trust God because we have a personal problem. We don't trust God because we have a theological problem. Our problem is how we understand God. And the reason why people don't always trust God, it's not because their problems are too big, but their God is too small. The reason why people don't trust God, it's not their problems are out of control, it's just their God isn't powerful enough. Their theology of God and who He is is too small. They don't realize, they don't understand that God is in complete and total control. And many of them believe that there are just things beyond God's control. That God is helpless on some level. In fact, I once heard a preacher a long time ago say, God can't do anything unless, he can't do anything in the world unless we allow him to. What? 
Well, God can't heal you unless you allow him to. He heals a lot of people that don't even know him. God can't change your life unless you allow him to. God can do whatever the world he wants to do. Right? Daniel makes it really, really clear. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. And none, none can stay his hand and say to him, what have you done? God is a completely sovereign in control, which means there's nothing beyond his ability and which means that we can and we should, by all means, surrender control to him. But God is also trustworthy. God being sovereign is really important, but God being trustworthy is just as important. Because a sovereign God that you can't trust is no help. God is also trustworthy. Because that means we can have full confidence in him and depend on him and be fully vulnerable with him. Because we can trust him. In Numbers chapter 29, 23, verse 19, we're told, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. In, in 1 John 1, 15, we're told, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is trustworthy because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is not fickle. He's not moody. He's not prone to make mistakes. He doesn't get overcommitted in his schedule. He's not surprised when your life falls apart, and God is certainly not indecisive. He is completely trustworthy. And just as important as that is God is compassionate. God is full of love and compassion for us. God loves us. Please, please, please understand how important this is because God loves us, not that we deserve His love. He loves us because he wants to love us and because he's good. God is compassionate and we can trust him to do what's right for us. We can trust him to do what's good for us. We can trust him to guide us and lead us. We can trust God because he is sovereign. He is trustworthy and compassionate. Now, with that... That's the stuff that we know. I mean, we're Christians. We're supposed to know these things. That's the head knowledge. I mean, we come to church and we, we hear about God's sovereignty and His trustworthiness and His compassion and we all agree and we all say, Amen, because we believe this. If you're a Christian, you believe this. But there are those times in our lives where we struggle to feel this. Struggle to really believe this. I mean, we know that we need to trust God and people tell us, well, you just need to trust God when things are hard. I mean, because when when things get hard, what do people tell you? Just need to trust God, right? We know we need to trust God. We agree we need to, to trust God, but there are times that knowing and feeling aren't the same thing. And sometimes we just don't feel it. There are times when the world around us has gone completely crazy. There are times when the world around us is is completely haywire. There are times when up seems down and down seems up. There are times when, when nothing in the world makes sense to us, like when a child contracts an incurable disease. Or when someone that you love, that you spoke to like half an hour ago, dies in a car accident. Or when your marriage of many, 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 many years dissolves like snow, even though you were married to your very best friend and could never imagine a life without them. Or how about when the economy changes and you lose everything? Or how about when suddenly you realize everything you own is a heap of ash because your house burned down? There are just those times, times of, of, of hearts that are broken into a million pieces, it feels like. Times that, that, that there are nights that are filled with endless tears. 
times when it doesn't feel like anything's ever going to get better. There are times when the world doesn't seem to, 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 to help. Right? There are times when people come to you and say, you just need to trust God. And you're like, that doesn't help. Thank you. Right? Even though it's true, even though you know it to be true, there are times that when somebody says that to you, it just seems trite and patronizing. There are times that when we, we know we need to trust God, but everything in the world around us and all the circumstances in our life around us are screaming at us, you can't trust him. There are times when everything and everyone are saying, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. I mean, look at you. He can't fix your problems. He can't can't take care of you. Sometimes it feels like trusting God is impossible because it doesn't seem to make sense. Which, that's exactly what this series that we're in is all about. It's about trusting God when, when everything in the world seems to be standing against you. When everything in the world seems to be conspiring against you. It's about trusting God when when it doesn't make sense. And in the coming weeks, we're going to explore a lot of really big questions. Questions I think we've all faced. Questions like, how can I trust God to take care of me when it seems like there's just so many things I need? And and there's so many things to worry about and so many things beyond my control. How can I trust God when, when it seems like the whole world is against me? It seems like my family is against me, my friends against me, my, my co-workers against me. It's like I can't trust or depend on anyone. Or how can I trust God when everything seems to be going wrong in my life? I mean, how can I trust God when the unbearable, unexplainable things happen? And not just happen, but they keep happening. And they keep happening in rapid succession. And I'm drowning. And I can't even get my head above water. They keep happening so often. How can I trust God then? In the coming weeks, we're going we're to talk about not only trusting God in those times, but we're going to talk about actually growing in our faith during those times. We're going to talk about growing more in love with Christ. We're going to talk about growing more intimate with Christ, experiencing a deeper connection with Him during those times. We're going to talk about, about trusting God even more than we did before as we go through those times when everything seems sideways. That's what you can expect in the weeks to come. Now today, I just want to wrap up by talking about trusting God to save us. Now that might seem silly, because we're a church, right? That's what the Christian faith is supposed to be about, trusting God to save us. Faith in Christ is about trusting Him to rescue us from our sins. It's foundational. Now, we all know, if you're a believer, you know that. But here's the thing. Be honest. There are those times in your lives when you will wonder, will God actually save me? Will God actually rescue me? I mean, I know he can rescue anybody, but, but, but me, come on. We're talking about me. Or am I just delusional? Have I just gotten it wrong? Am I, am I fooled? Will God actually save the likes of me because, because I keep messing things up? I keep falling down. I keep falling into the same old sins over and over and over again. I mean, I look at my life and I wonder, can God really save the likes of me? I mean, I don't even, I'm not in the Word very often. My love for God is, is kind of cold at times. And I continue to struggle with the same temptation and sin over and over and over again. How can I possibly, how can I possibly trust God to save me when I keep messing things up? That's the question I think that we all ask at some point. How can I, how can God save me when I keep sinning? And here's the thing. If you haven't already asked that question, at some point you will. Just give it time. Because you will fall down. I'm not wishing it on you, but I'm just telling you. It's the truth. You will fall down. You will mess things up. You will sin. And you'll ask the question, how can I be confident in and depend on God to save someone like me? How can I completely be vulnerable with God when I have so much to be ashamed of? I've been there. But the good news is, 
We can trust God. Because trusting God to save us from our sin is about understanding God in His sovereignty is the one who is actually in control of our salvation in the first place. Because salvation is the supernatural work of God. The Apostle Paul tells us, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus. And there's two things I want you to notice about that text. Who is the one who began the work in you? Who's the one that started the work of salvation in you? Was it, was it you? No, it was God. God is the one who changes our hearts to receive the gospel. God is the one who opens our minds so we can hear the truth of the gospel. Only God can, can, can through the Holy Spirit, convict our hearts of our sin and, 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 and help us to see that we're desperately in need of, of Christ's atoning work and salvation. It is God who began the work of salvation in your life, not you. You received it by faith, right? But even, but even your faith is a gift from God. He's the one who began the work in you. And number two, not only did God begin the work of salvation in you, he has promised to be the one to finish it, to complete it. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's a gift from God, not by your works. God is the one who completely saves He's the one who, who, who is in control of salvation, not you. Yes, we're all called to have faith. Yes, we're called to submit and to, to, uh, to obey and to repent. But even those things are gifts God given us by his grace. It's not by our works. It's the power of God working in our lives to bring those things out. You and I contribute nothing to our own salvation. As Paul says to the Galatians, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you being perfected by the flesh? (laughs) What God started in you, you think you're going to take care of it? Do you think you're going to finish it? If you are truly saved, God is the one who began the work in you, and he will finish the work in you because he is the one who's in control. He is the one who saved you, and you can trust him even when you make a mess out of things. Trusting God to save you is about understanding that God doesn't leave us guessing about our salvation either. He gave us proof of it on the cross. God proved his trustworthiness on the cross. Jesus, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life. And then he willingly died on the cross to take away our sins and then to give us in return the righteousness that we need to stand before God. And after he died, he was laid in the tomb and three days later he rose from the grave fully and physically proving two things. Number one, that he is what he promised to be, God in the flesh. Number two, he can do what he promised he would do, which is to save you from your sins. And if you believe in him and you trust in that, you are saved without question. The resurrection is proof that you can trust in Jesus. And then finally, we need to understand that God's compassion and his love, and I want you to hear me on this, God's compassion and love and grace and mercy are infinitely more powerful than your failures. You see, we think sometimes we're more powerful than God. We think we're going to sin so bad that we're going to do something so wrong that God cannot possibly save us. Let me just tell you, that's idolatry. God is more powerful than your failures. His grace and mercy are more powerful than your stumbles. They are more powerful than your full-on face plants. He's even more powerful than your doubts. God, by nature, is compassionate. God understands your fear. God understands your worry. God understands your struggle. God knows that you're going to fall down. And if there's anything in this whole sermon you take home that you really remember, that's the thing that you need to understand. God knows when you're going to fall down. God is not surprised by your failures. God is not surprised by your shortcomings. God is not surprised by your fall into sin. He's not standing up there going, can you believe what she just did? 
Can you believe what he, I just, I mean, I'm just taking it back. I mean, I've been controlling this thing ever since eternity. And I never even knew that they were capable of that. No. God knows. He's all knowing. He knows that you're going to mess things up. He knows that you're going to struggle with sin. And that's why Jesus died for all sin. Past, present, and future. God loved you so much that he crushed his own son so that you could be free of your sin and have the confidence to know that he will carry you on even when you make a mess of things. You can depend on God to save you. You can be vulnerable when, 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 with God in your shame. You can trust God to save you even when it doesn't make sense. Now, let's just get really practical now. Because you and I, I think, are alike. And, and, and I know that you're going to hear these words, and I know you're going to believe them, and you're going to hope in them. And I know these words will probably bring you some comfort uh, in the moment. But then what happens when you actually mess it up? What happens when you, in your flesh, do something that you know for a fact you shouldn't have done? What happens when you fall headlong into sin? You see, in times like that, we have this tendency to realize we've sinned and our hearts convict us. And then the devil's in our ear going, see, you're no good, you're awful, God doesn't love you, right? And, and, and so, and suddenly we feel like, you know, like, oh, I've sinned so I can't come before God, so we want to come stick ourselves in this little spiritual penalty box for a little while, right? We want to go in there for a little while so that we can kind of maybe... Get, you know, get some work done and, and, and try to like make God happy and get back in his good graces. Because we feel like, you know, God must hate me. God must, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with me. I, I, can't, I, I can't go to God right now. I just sinned like 10 seconds ago. And worse, you realize that you've repented of that same sin like 150 times before. That might be an underestimate, but... You've repented of the same thing yesterday. You asked for forgiveness yesterday. And now you've done the same exact thing today. And you feel like, if I run back to God now, I'm just a hypocrite. If, if I run back to God now, I don't appreciate God. I don't really love God. I don't respect Him. I have a low view of God. I don't, really, I don't respect His sovereignty and His holiness if I go back to God now. And so you put yourself in this little penalty box, as Paul Washer calls it. And you have this tendency to think, I just, I just need to get some time alone. Maybe read my Bible a little bit. Maybe do some good works so I can get right with God before I can come back to him. I can, I can take some time, maybe a couple days, right? And that way I can kind of work my way back into favor with God before I come and worship him again. Brothers and sisters, hear me on this. This is not the truth. That is not trusting God to save you. That's not how it's supposed to be. Our God is not some limited, tiny pool of grace and mercy that can dry up. Because if it could, it would have dried up along you a long time ago. He's an endless ocean of grace and mercy and forgiveness and we can come to Him over and over and over and over and over and over again, putting ourselves in the corner, punishing ourselves, putting ourselves in the penalty box, is not trusting God to save you. Trusting God to save you is this right here. When you fall into sin, don't wait, not a second, immediately get up, repent of your sin, run to God, hold on to Jesus. Repent of your sin, run to God, hold on to Jesus. In fact, let's, let's just all say that together. Repent of your sin, run to God, hold on to Jesus. You don't wait around saying, well, let me just read my Bible a little bit, trying to do some kind of penance before I come and approach God when, when I sin. No, you immediately repent of that sin, right? That means to turn away from it. Because here's the important part. Repentance is turning from sin and turning toward God. And then run to God. Don't try to sneak in, right? Don't, don't come in on your hands and knees. Run to Him like a child. When I was a kid, when I lived in Oklahoma, 
Uh, we, we lived for there for a few years, but we lived out in the country, way out in the country. And it was kind of cool because when you're a kid, that, that's fun because there's like, you know, there's woods and there's plenty of place to play. And, and, and about half a mile away, there's this clearing we played in. And then at the edge of the property, there's this holler that we played in. So there's all kinds of ways and places to have adventures. But one day we were out there playing on the property. And a bunch of us kids decided, you know what? We want to have this contest of who can throw rocks the furthest. This is a simple game. I mean, I think most kids have played that at one point. And so everyone, you know, started throwing rocks. And some of us threw them pretty far and some of them didn't throw so far. But then it came time for my sister to throw a rock. Okay? Now, if there was something that my sister never mastered, it was, it was the forward throw. Because, because my sister's, like, throw, she was left-handed, which was kind of awkward anyway. But then on top of that, she just couldn't throw. So it kind of looked, like, looked like this. You know what I mean? It was, it was really, I can't even, like, mimic it. It was just, it was bad, right? And so, so... We're out there throwing rocks, so it's her turn to throw the rock. And she aims to throw that way, but the rock goes that way and hits some kid in the head. I mean, just clean. You can hear it. It's like, like that. Right. And so the kid screams like bloody murder, right? Because he got hit in the head with a rock. Right? And then he goes like this, like everybody else, like, oh, I got hit in the head. Then he pulls his hand away and he screams more because his hand's covered with blood. Right? Now he's really full on panicking. So what do we do? Right? What do we do? We ran to dad because that's what you do when you get in trouble. That's what you do when you need help. You run to dad. I mean, we didn't stop and think about, hey, you know what? Michelle might get in trouble for this. We didn't stop and think, well, you know what? His parents are probably going to be mad at our parents because their kid got hit in the head rock. We didn't think like, hey, you know what? Our parents might have to pay for this. No. All we thought was, we're in trouble. We need to go be with someone, the, the person that can help us. We need help now. The same thing in sin. When you sin, get up and run to God. Because when you sin, you need help now. So get up and turn away from your sin and run to God. Run as fast as you can to Him. Run into His presence. Run to get the help you need. And then hold on to Jesus. Run to him, latch on to him, hold on to him. And not like a little beggar, right? Like, oh, please, please, you know, don't strike me down. No, run to him boldly. Grab a hold of him boldly and tell him, I believe your promises. I believe them all. I believe that you came into the world to seek and save sinners, which means you came to seek and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, all of them past, present, and future. I believe that I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not my own doing, praise the Lord. It is a gift from you. I believe that those who trust in you will not be put to shame. And I am trusting in you. And more than ever am I trusting in you. You promised that you forgave all of my sins. And Jesus, I believe that promise. Repent of your sins. Run to God. Hold on to Christ. That is how you trust God when you make a mess. That is how you have confidence in God when you fall on your face. It's the epitome of confidence. That is how you depend on him to rescue you. That is how you allow yourself to be fully vulnerable in the hands of God. That is how you trust God. Even when it makes no sense. Repent. Run. Hold on. Let me pray for you. Gracious Lord, I say... Amen and thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I can trust you in every possible way. Thank you that I can trust you with my family. Thank you I can trust you with my kids. Thank you I can can trust you with the future. Thank you I can trust you with my finances. Thank you I can trust you with the difficult situations that arise in my life. Thank you that I can trust you to provide for my every need. Thank you that I can trust in you in every possible conceivable way. But thank you most of all that I can trust you to save me in spite of me. Lord, I rejoice in that truth. I rejoice in the words that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. 
I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that truth. I rejoice that the gospel is the power to save those who believe. That, 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 that the justification is by faith and faith alone. I rejoice in the fact that when I fall down, you're not standing over me ready to smite me and condemn me. That you're ready to receive me back. That you give me the, the grace to repent and run to you. I thank you, Lord, for all that. I thank you, Lord, that you have that kind of compassion in our lives and that we can trust you that way. Father, I pray that all of us would take that seriously. All of us would walk in that. We'd stop putting ourselves in those silly penalty boxes and truly repent, Lord. Now, Lord, fathers, we, we hope that people don't hear this message and think, well, that means I can just do whatever I want to as long as I just ask for forgiveness. Lord, help us all to see that we need to truly trust in Christ and be reborn. And those who trust in Christ want to be better, want to be the thing that they aren't right now. They want to be holy. I want to be holy, Lord God. I desperately want to be pleasing to you, but I am broken still. And so, Father, I just thank you that we can turn to you and run to you, and you're progressively changing us and shaping us in the image of your Son. And I pray, Father, that you would embolden this church and this church family to go out into the streets and go out into the markets and go out into the community, Lord, to tell people about the amazing love and grace of Jesus Christ. They can be saved. Thank you for that. Christ name we pray. for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.